When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we start the show... I wanted to take a moment to remember a very special person to our club and to us fans. It's been a year this week since Mick Cunningham sadly left this world with some of his last hours having been spent doing what he loved, working as a photographer of the Cherries. On that day, as they took on Stoke City at the Britannia Stadium in a league that I'm sure Mick never thought we would reach, the Premier League. For those that didn't know Mick, he was an integral part of the fabric of AFC Bournemouth. Whether it was as the official club photographer, the editor of the Matchday programme, as a fundraiser with his band Reg Varney, as founder of the AFCB Exiles Club, creator of the excellent fanzine, not the 8502, which was part of the inspiration for this show, and as a fan who travelled the length and breadth of the country year after year to support his team. I'd just like to share some of what I wrote to Mick a year ago on social media when news of his passing was announced. When the media talk about the fairy tale story of AFCB, I always think of you. Because you were there when it wasn't a fairy tale, it was a nightmare story. And without doubt, the club would not be here today without the work you did when it was most needed. I can't think of anyone who loved the club more than you, and it is so sad to know that you have left this world. You were the club, and the club was you. And when you left us, so did a part of the club that we can never get back. But your story, your photos, and the memories will live on forever. Sleep well, my friend, and up the cherries in all departments. It is Callum Wilson. Go, baby. 
top flight win. Kia ora and welcome to episode 20 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker, wearing my retro AFCB 95 Great Escape, Scott Mean, Steve Jones, Steve Fletcher, Mel Machin, home shirt, red and black. Beautiful. And me, Sam Davis, and I'm donning the third kit from 2009. So not exactly an old shirt, but it's that off-white coloured shirt. And I, I got it. When I was the twelfth man at Dean Court, oh, I can see the name on the back. Oh, so cute, Sammy D. Oh, lovely. <laughs> now, before we get going, Sam, I just wanted to thank everyone for their comments, likes, and retweets after last week's episode of the show. Now, although it perhaps wasn't the best of nights for the Cherries, both on and off the pitch, we're pleased that we were able to successfully reflect what the fans are thinking. Yeah, agreed. Thank you very much for all the messages. They really do mean a lot. Anyway, as we said at the end of the podcast last week, we just hoped that we had some positive things to report on for the next show. And boy, oh boy, the team certainly delivered, didn't they, Sean? (laughs) They really did. And to celebrate that fact that Bournemouth got their first ever win over Everton... Back of the net is pulling out all the stops, including another exclusive signing. Last week, it was the unveiling of Rob Frank, but who will it be this week? It's not Steve Jones again, is it? Oh, no, we've done that joke. Anyway, I'm very intrigued, Sean, but without further ado, I suppose we should explain what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. As usual, we'll be kicking off the show with a chance for you to have your Cherry's knowledge of past players tested, as we'll be asking, do you remember? We'll then be hearing your thoughts and the media reaction to Cherry's 1-0 win over the Toffees at Dean Court, and we'll be going through the song choices submitted over Twitter, plus we'll analyse the comedy puns that were sent in to sum up the game. After that, we'll be hearing from our brand new signing and expert match reporter, Michael Dunn, who will describe the 90 minutes in a well-put-together feature where he covers everything from the absence of Joshua King right through to Eddie Howe miming to his players. I suppose we could say he's covering all departments, couldn't we, Sean? Hey! (laughs) Well, Mr Barker and I will then go on to have our say on the game before our beloved Kiwi then hops into the news booth to bring us the latest, and I mean latest, updates from in and around the Vitality Stadium. And probably from Wembley Stadium as well. Now then, Sam will be taking a brief look at what was being said over Facebook, Twitter and the forums over the past seven days in this week's online review. We'll then be hearing a few thoughts from you and us about these revelations over the last 24 hours, but we then continuing with our preview of Bournemouth's trip to Watford on Saturday, where the flames of the Twitter derby will be reignited as the Cherries look to pick up their first away win of the season. 
But before all that, it's time to go down memory lane as we get your brain into gear pretty early on in the podcast as our question master Rob asks, Do you remember? This player was born on the 7th of December 1960 in Stepney, London. He signed for Bournemouth in 1985 after spells at Charlton and Maidstone. Capable of playing right back or centre back, There were also times he appeared for Bournemouth as an emergency centre-forward during injury crises. He left Bournemouth in 1989, signing for Fulham, and also played for Barnet and Tottenham, amongst others. He made a total of 177 appearances for Bournemouth, scoring 23 goals and captained our championship winning side in 1986-87. Okay, so last week Rob Frank made his debut as Quizmaster and was pretty easy i reckon there was um, a couple of people on twitter who were like oh that was the first one we've ever got this week whoa he's gone back in time so sam what do you think oh that one i don't know i will know the name but what he left bournemouth in 1989 i think he said i was i was eight years old at the time um so uh hazy memories and not one that i think i know sorry yeah the last clue for me i think I think I know it now. Captain of the championship winning team. But Sammy, you think about that. And we will reveal the answer later in the show. So stay tuned. Now, though, it's time for us to look back at Saturday's game. In a few minutes, you can hear the instant post-match views of Cherry's fans who messaged us. But first, we're pleased to be able to introduce our very first proper match report from our expert summariser, Michael Dunn. Beloved Cherries recorded a first ever win over Everton following the best performance of the season so far at Dean Court on Saturday afternoon. Eddie made one change from the side that started the defeat at Manchester City, with Callum Wilson returning to the side in place of Josh King. The Norwegian speedster was presumably injured, as he didn't even make the bench, and my spies informed me that he was seen driving out of the main stand car park a couple of hours before kickoff. The game began in energetic fashion as both sides exchanged attacks. Ross Barkley casually surrendered possession to Andrew Sermon in the opening seconds, allowing our metronomic midfielder to find Charlie Daniels, who floated in a cross which Wilson had headed just wide of Stecklenburg's goal. It was the Toffees who almost struck first, when Romelu Lukaku got in front of Charlie Daniels to head Ross Barkley's free kick towards the bottom corner of the Cherries' goal. Artaboris did not romp home in the voting for August Player of the Month for nothing, 
and produced a stunning right-handed save at full stretch to deny the Everton forward a fifth goal in his past three outings. We then hit the woodwork twice in short order in front of the Ted McDougall stand as our dominant attacking play began to reap rewards. Callum Wilson shrugged off the attentions of the Everton defence to control a bouncing ball before slipping in Jack Wilshire, who was front and centre of the Everton net. From around the penalty spot, he attempted to place his finish with his favoured left foot when power might have been more effective, and Seamus Coleman made a crucial block which deflected the ball onto the crossbar. Harry Arter then drove forward from midfield and unleashed a low trademark screamer which shaved the outside of the away team's post. On 22 minutes, he slid a disguised square ball across the park to junior Stanislas, and Everton's favourite cherry scored the best goal of his Bournemouth career with an absolute pearler from outside the box. I assume the celebrations on the pitch were suitably ecstatic, but I cannot say for sure, because I had lost my mind a split second before the ball hit the net, and did not regain my faculties until a good 30 seconds later. Thereafter, the game continued in much the same vein for the rest of the first half, with the Cherries dominant but unable to fashion any more chances of note, while Steve Cook and Simon Francis dealt with the threat of Lukaku with apparent ease. With his performance hitting dizzy heights even by his standards, Harry Arter even had time for a brief cameo in domestic service as he tied R. Boris's shoelaces before presumably racing down the tunnel to sort out the half-time tea order. In the second half, we were again chiefly in control of proceedings, with special mentions for the efforts of Charlie Daniels and Adam Smith, who gave Kevin Morales and Yannick Balassi the run around time and again as the Everton pair grew more and more weary against such tireless endeavour. Again, our heroes were unable to create clear-cut chances, and it was Everton who went the closest. Ross Barkley headed inexplicably wide from a Seamus Coleman cross, although rumours swirled around the court that the England international had become momentarily confused about his station in life upon learning that the terrier running the midfield had cost £4,000 from Woking. Arthur Boris was called upon to pour away a tricky cross shot from Gerard Delafeo, and Ina Valencia need the ball off target when he probably would have scored had he chosen to head Balassi's cross goalwards. Five minutes injury time came from I do not know where, but there was to be no running on the pitch from the travelling fans this time around, as we saw the game out comfortably to end a difficult week on a significant high. Thank you very much there to Michael for his match report for Bournemouth's second league win of the season. So, of course, after the game, we asked you for your fan thoughts. And now, as well as the Cherries fans' opinions that you're about to hear, you can also catch the thoughts of Sky Sports' Chris Kamara, but we'll be kicking off with a summary from Five Lives' Jonathan Ledyard. But in terms of a song to accompany the fan thoughts, well... The winner was pretty clear this week, and a big thank you to Paul Kenwood and Chris Root over on Twitter, who submitted this very apt tune. seven minutes of injury time because of that uh, blow to Adam Smith Everton's first league defeat of the season because frankly they were second best throughout to Bournemouth, Lukaku just one chance, header saved brilliantly by Boric home side lining up to score at one stage, purple patch producing the winner Junior Stanislaus firing in from 20 yards, Wilshire hit the bar, crucially Bournemouth have a win at last the second of the season but it lifts them up the table, they win 1-0 This is Neil from West London. 
I thought it was a fantastic performance against Everton. Um, obviously, Harry Arter was man of the match, but I think the whole uh, centre midfield trio played so well together. And to see Andrew Sermon getting a yellow card for a sliding tackle uh, towards the end of the game, I think probably uh, goes to show that Eddie has uh, put a boot up his backside and told him to uh, maybe do a little bit more. Um, anyway, fantastic result. Uh, we move on. It's great looking at the uh, social media, especially the Everton fans, who don't believe we deserve to win because we've only got 11,000 fans in the stadium. But there you go. That's just one of those things. Hello. I forgot Arta played really well in the middle. And he had the whole of Everton's team in his back pocket. Also, I thought our defence looked a lot better today. Everton was second before the game, but I don't think that showed. We dominated most of the match. I can only really recall of them having one good chance. Hopefully we can kick on from this and get some more wins under our belt. So thank you very much for putting me on the podcast. Bournemouth were magnificent in the first half. Everton played really, really well for 15 minutes along with them, but then Bournemouth took over. Harry Arter in midfield was just wonderful and outstanding. The best player on the pitch in the first 45 minutes. Stanislav's goal, he owes him a little bit of credit for that because he gave the ball to him, Harry Arter, and then Stanislav did the rest, curving away from the goalkeeper, Stecklenburg. Everton in the second half, poor, you'd have to say. Not the Everton that we've seen since the start of the season. So Eddie Howe will be delighted with his team's performance, whereas Ronald Koeman, for the first time, has seen one or two players who didn't come out to play today. So thank you very much once again for the fan thoughts. Just to say, yeah, Neil Whedon it was and Joe Wright for their opinions. We had a bit of a cameo role from Chris Kamara as well. Little pun there for you, bonus one. Um, If you want to get involved, by the way, in sending your match reports, Watford on Saturday, take your mobile. (laughs) Everyone takes their mobile. But anyway, straight after the game, give us a call 01202 9010 48 or if you've got a voice notes app uh send it to fans at afcbpodcast.com because we would really love to hear from you now as we said thank you very much to chris root and paul kenwood who uh who did the song chumbawamba tub thumping i get knocked down but i get up again very apt we also had another couple as well from red and black exile who thought uh how about the song bringing on back the good times by love affair he said a bit before your time but spot on for yesterday and uh, steve wright also suggested uh cherry oh baby from ub40 but anyway thank you very much for for them but yeah it's been a good vibe over the last few days sean you must have been well happy over the weekend i definitely was and also happy to hear michael back on the air so uh yeah really looking forward to hearing michael's match reports each and every week um, some interesting uh he's got the spies it reminded me of uh game of thrones and the guy who's got the little birds you know that knows everything <laughs> well michael's got his dean court spy so watch out but yeah, interesting about Joshua King driving away before the game. That, that 
that just worried me a little bit. I hope he's not unhappy. Or is that maybe that's normal practice if you're injured? Maybe you don't always watch the game. Do you know anything about that, Sam? Uh, well, I know that um, Juan Eterbe uh, had the same thing happen, and fans saw him sort of go away. He wasn't he wasn't injured. He just wasn't selected, but he drove away. I don't, you know, I don't know whether it's personal choice. I mean, if it was personal choice, I'd be wanting to watch the game. But anyway, um, it was a great report from Michael there. But yeah, let's just quickly run through the team. It was Boric, Smith, Francis, Cook, Daniels, Sermon, Arta, Stanislas, Wilshire, Ibe, and Wilson. Happy with the team, Sean? Yeah, and it was just funny in the build-up to the game because all the commentators were talking about was was the battle of the you know the England wannabes, the Wilshire versus Barkley, big you know build-up, and the commentary of BN Sports kept going on about it, and then this cheeky little Irishman came and still stole the show. Yeah, what a performance he had. Uh, many fans wax lyrical about it, and um, you'll certainly be hearing their thoughts later on in the online review. But hey, Sean, we were so close to taking the lead earlier on, weren't we? Oh my God, first minute. I mean, it was great link-up. And what was great was there was great link-up from Arta to Wilshire to Ibe, Daniels, Sermon. It was just all the players interlinking straight away. And you just were like, whoa, we are coming out fast. And to be fair, with when Wilson got in front of the defender, he, I mean, he'll be, well, I'd say kicking himself, but heading himself because he really should have headed that in, which would have given us a well, well-deserved one-minute lead. Yeah, we we really controlled the game. I thought um, it was it was exceptional football at times, and as many people were saying on Twitter, it was that feeling of watching Bournemouth again. Our Bournemouth were back, um, but that said. Everton did have a chance and it was a golden opportunity from Lukaku, wasn't it? Oh, the, it's coming from the free kick from Barkley and mm. the camera angle was perfect and you could see the goals there. There's loads of net. It's one of those horrible free kicks for a goalkeeper because it's kind of in swinging towards you. Part of you wants to go and try and claim it, but there's going to be bodies and it's going to be messy. So you basically have to stand your ground and hope you can react quick enough to be fair, it was a good header. I think if he'd have put it a bit further wide, I think it it would have been a goal. But he did get it down low. But Boric, again, continuing his excellent start of the season. He gets down quickly and it's the fingertips. But it's not just the fingertips to kind of put something on it. It's the way he also manages to get a bit of projection there to clear the ball away. It was uh, just the big pole. You want no one else at the moment. No, agreed. So, I mean, really, Lukaku should have scored there, but Boric was on form. As Michael said, um, uh, by far and away our best player so far. But uh, it was Bournemouth that actually came closer when we hit the crossbar. I think it was, was it Callum Wilson who was uh, down the right-hand side? And then um, I thought he was going to shoot at one stage, but then Wilshire was in the perfect position. And he tried to sort of place it in and it it got a touch off someone, didn't it? And just cannoned off the crossbar. So close. Yeah, it was It was Coleman that made the block. And uh, Michael was saying maybe he should have gone for power. I don't know. I think you've seen that that kind of position where it becomes a bit of a snapshot and it thrashes over the bar. For me, I think he's done 
everything right. And I mean, he's, he's an inch or two away from it not touching the arm of Coleman. Not that it would be a penalty, but I think it did come off his arm, but it was next to his side. But he's totally sold the goalkeeper because when you're a goalkeeper you, in that situation, you're just trying to make yourself as big as you can to try and cover that smashed effort. But to try that little kind of side-footed place into the top corner, I think was pretty smart. And I mean, again, you just got to get credit for the defending there. I think Coleman's done a brilliant job to stop what would have been a very well-deserved opening goal for Wilshire and for the team. And then Harry Arter, who he was at the back picking the ball up. He was making tackles. He was stopping, stopping Barkley from playing. And then he gets the ball and you thought, oh, there's a little opening here. And he's cut in. He's wiggled round. And then he's hit it with his left foot on the outside of the boot, drilled it low, and it looked like it actually it was always going wide, but it kind of bent back in and it ended up just clipping the outside of the post. But I guess that kind of proved that Harry was on it. And then, what was it, 22 minutes in, Harry gets the ball. And what a sideways pass to Stanislas. Mm-hmm. It evaded a couple of defenders, literally a slide rule pass, as they call it, straight to Stanislas. Great first touch, settles himself, and then, boom, pretty much top corner. It was a great strike. Did he, I mean, did he put a specific technique on it, Sean? You might have studied it, but the way it curled into the net, it actually looked right from the first sort of moment it came off his, uh, his instep. It looked like it was going straight to the keeper, but then all of a sudden it just went off to the left and into the top corner. Yeah, he said in an interview afterwards that when it came to him, initially he was going to put it to the other side. And then he said he saw the goalkeeper take a step that way. So then he changed his mind, which when you watch, he wasn't on the ball that long. The decision making was pretty quick. And the way he's kind of, I mean, he's wrapped his foot around it and given it a bit of back lift. He's leant back slightly and just drifted it into the corner. And yeah, just brilliant. You know, and I don't think Michael was the only one to lose his mind when that one went in. Well-deserved. Everton must be absolutely sick of Junior Stanislas. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. So halftime, it was 1-0 to AFC Bournemouth. Now, Sam Davis is going to be your halftime entertainment. We'll talk about the second half in a moment. But I just want to pay tribute to everyone who turned up in their retro AFCB shirt. Um, we had a number of people send in photos. Uh, Sky Blue Cherries on Twitter was wearing uh, one of his lucky old Seawood light blue shirts. Um, Tony Maycock, who's, flat, uh, who's fat blurk, he said the, the Maycock boys are going retro today. Neil Whedon wanted to wear his retro shirt, but he said he gave his uh, away to charity. So somewhere in Africa, there's a few Cherries fans. Uh, Steve Wright and Joe Wright took part. The Cherry, uh, the Cherry Kerry also did. Stu Bramley was um, less enthusiastic, saying, "I'm not, I'm not going up in the sodding loft on your account." <laughs> and um, and also, it's Mr. Rowe um, on Twitter. I think he's wearing the exact same shirt as you are, Sean. Uh, but yeah, he sent in a photo as well. But uh, thank you to everyone that took part. We'll be mentioning more of it a bit later on as well. Yeah, and uh, I just because um, it, it was a little bit of a last minute decision. And there was a few people on the forum saying, oh, need more notice than this. And somebody else said, well, you know, literally, it's just a matter of reaching into your <laughs> cupboard and pulling out another shirt. But I, I must admit, actually, when I first kind of thought, yeah, we should do this again. I did get my days a little bit mixed up because I'm in New Zealand and we're ahead and we just changed the clocks. And I did actually think we had an extra day. So in my head, I was thinking it was 
Thursday or whatever it was, whereas it was actually Friday. So as Gary Chapman did point out, he did wear a retro. He was wearing the blue and black, old blue and black away shirt. But we'll we'll do a bit more of a build up. We'll give people notice so they can get the right shirt out and they can maybe make the effort to go up in their loft, Stu Bramley. And um, we'll do it probably then maybe after Christmas and we'll, we'll really see if we can fill the stands. But yeah, it was good to see. Off the pitch, it was also good to see what was going on on the pitch. Um, I mean, second half, Barkley should have scored with that header. No, no, no bones about it. That was a poor attempt from him. Um, Boric clawed that great cross out from pretty well close to under the bar to, with guys behind. But we still looked pretty comfortable, didn't we, Sam? We just seemed to be paying with a bit more zip. We were getting. We were getting in behind them in the wings, weren't we, as well, which was, I think, a lot of running from Wilson. And still some people saying with Ibe, they're still not 100%. But again, I think, as you pointed out, he's getting better and better, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. And what's actually really annoying is watching highlights like Match of the Day back because... In the second half, it looked all Everton and it looked like we didn't have a chance. But we we did dominate the second half, you know, territorially. Um, and we were playing some fantastic football at times. Everton did get um, a number of opportunities, some more clear cut than others. But maybe one of our things that we need to work on is, you know, we do need to turn that dominance into forging clear cut chances. And maybe if there is a criticism, um that's one I can sort of put against the side for not, you know, for for not managing to produce um, a clear cut chance. Yeah, but I think also is credit to the fact that Everton's goal count was a big fat donut, and you know to have a couple of one nil wins in the Premier League is not easy because you know they will create chances, and our defence has been getting some stick for conceding goals. So I do think that second half there was also a degree of. We've got the goal. So I don't think... I think if it had still been nil-nil, I think we probably would have looked to advance a lot more than we did. So I think that probably skews it a little bit. Um, Having said that, also got to make a mention of... I mean, you could mention all the players, but Sermon, who put in some absolutely crunching tackles, which isn't always part of his game that you always think of as, you know, the big blocker. But when he was needed, man, he put in a couple of biggies. Yeah, no, credit to Sermon, and uh, I do uh, make a, a comment in my online review about him yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, Andrew, but um, <laughs> what what was with the massive injury time, Sean? What was it, five minutes? <laughs> I know, and I was so nervous. I was so, so nervous because it was like, oh, no, they're going to get a goal, and you just knew if they got a goal, the entire Everton stand were going to come on the pitch for a pitch invasion. <laughs> and um, But it just went on and on and on, and then... Um, yeah, just we had a bit more, and oh, we haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned Smithy and his his mm. his bloody nose, which oh, was I broke my nose a couple of months back in a in a game. I got kicked in the face and had not as wasn't my blood wasn't as cool looking as his. He looked like some kind of superhero. I don't know if they'd like smeared it to make it look a bit more awesome for TV. Maybe that's part of the Sky Sports deal, but but yeah, he <laughs> was one tough guy to get back after that. But final whistle went. Just you could see in their faces, especially Harry Arter. You look at him, yeah, and he was just ecstatic. And I read a really great tweet somebody had put about Arter, which was in relation to the fee that Paul Pogba cost. You know, whatever it was, Harry's cost four thousand pounds. They worked out for the same cost of one Paul Pogba, you could have got 
22,250 Harry Arters. <laughs> That's absolutely scary, isn't it? But Harry was one of, uh, you know, of many players. I just also want to mention Jack Wilshire as well. Um, it's actually his the last time he played 90 minutes in the Premier League was uh, September 2014. So he's still not played uh, 90 minutes, but it's all shaping up nicely. So hopefully we will see 90 minutes uh, soon. Now, before we move on, we've got to go through the puns. There were some that were maybe um, a little obvious. Uh, Robert Murphy, <laughs> you're one of the culprits. Uh, Toffees proved none too sticky for Howl's Heroes. Yeah, we got Tony Maycock. Uh, stand to attention, it's Sticky Toffee's Puddings. <laughs> Steve Wright, another obvious one. Toffee's come unstuck against the cherries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Callahan, Junior's Stunner Slash leaves Cooman chewing over Toffee's defeat. That's good, Stunner Slash. That was good. Um, also, Ross Devonport, we had to nick your idea for our Twitter cover photo. Stunner Slashed. Brilliant. Junior Rockets, uh, sorry, Junior Rocket Blast Toffees Off Planet Undefeated. Well, there we go. And um, also a recent update from Kevin Anderson. He did he did submit one, but he's had a think of a couple of days. He's reworked it. It goes. <laughs> really? It goes like this. Right, prepare for this. Stan is the man and Arta is number great as the Toffees Romelu's with Lukaku. Who? <laughs> Oh my God. He's literally had 48 hours in a room with a notepad just scribbling. No, nearly, nearly. Yes, I've got it. <laughs> Kevin Anderson, I want what you're drinking. Absolutely brilliant. Now, coming up um, later on in the show, obviously, I'll be bringing you some proper puns in the club news. And I reckon I have trumped everyone with a pun involving Junior Stanislas. But first, it's time for my online review of the last seven days. Well, what a week it has been for AFC Bournemouth. This time last week, I was walking away from Dean Court and I hadn't even watched any football, so you can imagine that the feeling was not made any better by learning that we'd been knocked out of the League Cup by a second-string Preston side. But alas, ignoring the moans from the result of the game and the ticketing issues, online there was a growing acknowledgement that the match on Saturday versus Everton could be rather critical in AFC Bournemouth's season, even at this early stage. On Thursday night in particular, there was a bit of a reality check as fans were watching Gary Lineker's documentary with Eddie Howe on BBC Two's Premier League show and it made many fans forget the woes and appreciate the man at the helm of our glorious football club. Tom Jordan, look at other clubs with Poulis, Hughes, Pardew and Allardyce. You don't appreciate the things you have till they're gone. Robert Murphy tweeted, The usual mix of humility and determination shone through in Eddie's interview. In Eddie we trust. UTC in all departments said, Having lived most of my life away from my hometown, I was never quick to say who I support. That's all changed, thanks to Hal. Gareth Davis said, 
Fascinating to hear Eddie Howe's piece with Gary Lineker. Can see why players like Tomlin didn't last and why he signs potential too. And Jake Summers said, was debating not going on Saturday again. I needed something to get my season started and weirdly that interview has done it. Bring it on. Well, Jake, I'm sure you'll be glad that you did go. And by the way, did you wear your retro shirt? Because many fans did, after a certain Sean Barker had an impassioned plea for Cherries fans to come together and remember what this is all about in the grand scheme of things. The back of the net presenter said, This season, we feel that now is the time to once again bring out the dusty old tops, but for an even more important reason, because there is a danger that our club is starting to feel a little bit less like our club. Because without the history and the connection between the club and the fans, born out of the most desperate of times, what are we left with? Just another Premier League club? No. We are, and we must always be more than that. And many people on the vital forums agreed and looked forward positively rather than back negatively, with London Cherry saying, Great post. Enjoyed reading that. So, on to match day. And with the usual team selection tweets and Facebook remarks, it was interesting to see the pre-match thoughts of Boscombe supporters around the globe. Arnold Savoir said, Three points off Cumin will do me today. Time for the club to move on and give everyone something positive to get behind. In Eddie we trust. Patrick Sullivan. Not expecting anything out of today. Horribly tough game. Just want to see a reaction from Tuesday. Sam Edwards. There's nothing we can do about Tuesday's match, but we need to get behind Eddie, JT and the team. Sing loud and proud and get DC rocking. Dan Hall tweeted, Hope that all lucky enough to go today get right behind the boys for 90 minutes and no stupid booze or bad vibes is needed. Embrace. Enjoy. And William Snootsworth piped up with, Well chums, today I jolly well predict that Everton will be Evertoff after the mighty switch turners of AFCB have finished with them. Well, the game started and on 22 minutes, it was the team in red and black that took the lead. Marcus Robertson, have a bit of that Everton, can't handle Stanislas. Laura Palmer, take a bow junior. Alex of Alexia. Good first half capped with a wonderful goal from Stanislas. Arta bossing the midfield as always. Good to see. And Mike AFCB4 on Twitter. So here's to you, Junior Stanislas. Bournemouth love you more than you will know. So with the match ending 1-0, it's understandable that Cherry's fans across the globe were jubilant with this three points. It came just at the right time, and everything seemed to slot together, with a number of players taking well-deserved plaudits. Michael Snedden. Steve Cook, when he gets home, empties his pockets. Keys, check. Phone, check. Wallet, check. Romelu Lukaku, check. Sermon again was another player who came in for praise too. Now, I doubted him myself last week. Sorry, Andrew. But one man in particular shone through. Chris Temple on Twitter. If anyone thinks that they saw a better midfield performance today than AFCB's Harry Arter, then that's total bobbins. And Ellie Davis, never seen an individual performance as good as Harry Arter today. Pure passion, commitment and determination. Tom Jordan, Harry Arter is the best value for money signing in the history of football. And there were other midfielders that got a mention too, including a certain Jack Wilshire. 
I still can't believe he's a Cherries player. Stu Brownlee tweeted, For what it's worth, my opinion of Jack Wilshire has already been changed irreversibly. What a top, top player and person he is. And then Peter from Cherry Chimes wrote, Just when you expect the Cherries to struggle, they come out fighting. The win against Everton was great, not only because it was a clean sheet and a home win against a good side, but it showed that AFCB had character, as the managers like to say. The side had been condemned and criticised for its lack of fighting resilience against Man City and Preston, but the match against Everton was like a switch had been flicked on. The boys wanted it, and they went out and fought for each other. So, things once again are rosy, and we travel to London to face a team that were humbled 2-0 away at Burnley. Yes, there's going to be a lot of online jibes over the next few days, rekindling the Twitter derby, some references to the championship win, etc. But can Bournemouth get three points against Watford? I tell you now, it would be massive, and wouldn't it be an amazing way to go into the international break? I, for one, cannot wait. Stanislas Sting in the first team. Junior Stanislas missed most of pre-season through injury, but repaid the faith shown to him by manager Eddie Howe by scoring the winning goal last weekend versus Everton. Stanislas has been selected for a recent run of games, having made an important contribution to the team last season. Junior told the official website, I didn't have much of a pre-season myself. I played the last couple of games and the manager kept the faith in me. I paid him back and I want to continue taking my chances and putting in performances. Tyndall is behind man Emerson. The American midfielder Emerson Hindman, signed in the summer from Fulham, has yet to make an appearance in the league, but is impressing the coaching staff. The 20-year-old appeared in the Warren Cummings testimonial versus AC Milan, made his official debut versus Morecambe, and also played in the EFL Cup debacle versus Preston. Tyndall told the Daily Echo, Emerson is doing fantastically well. He's got a huge amount of potential and some fantastic qualities. With the young players we've signed, we've signed them because we believe they are going to go on to become exceptional players and we're looking forward to seeing their potential. Shopping Superstore Shed behind Ted. As the club continues to grow, so does the amount of stock in the club shop. So much, in fact, that the club has just opened a new retail unit outside the ground behind the Ted McDougall stand. The unit has all the playing shirts as well as a printing machine for names and numbers and other items such as hats, scarves and stuff like that. I always remember Luther Blissett's sports shop that he opened just down the street from the ground on Holdenhurst Road. I can't remember whether it sold AFCB stock, but do seem to remember that it was a bit rubbish. Beep, 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 
breaking, breaking, breaking news first ish. Big Sam becomes unemployed Sam. In breaking news, Sam Allardyce has been sacked as manager of England and so the national side are once again looking for someone to take on the top job. Fortunately for AFC Bournemouth, we definitely do not have a manager that is English, young, progressive or talented. So, to the FA, I say, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Move along. Move along. AFC B Club News. Thank you very much, Mr. Barker, for this week's club news, and we'll be going over your puns very shortly, rest assured. But breaking news once again on Back of the Net. Last week it was the tickets, and this week, as Sean said, Big Sam has walked, and Eddie Howe's name once again is being touted with the top job in England. We wanted to know your thoughts on the matter. Is it too early for Eddie? Should someone else step in? These were your opinions. Kerry Phillips from Bournemouth. Eddie Howe for England manager. Uh, 100% yes, I think, but just not yet. Uh, I think he would like, at a minimum, this season to manage AFC Bournemouth. Dare I add to that next season in the Premiership too. Um, He's proved to the club, the players, the fans, to the media, to the country, in fact, what a loyal, honest dedicated, hard-working manager he is. Um, I think he'd respect the England manager's job beyond measure and give it his everything. Um, I just don't think that he'd be ready to say goodbye to us yet. Um, my view and my opinion for what it's worth is that I think that he's got a little while left at AFC Bournemouth, but good luck to whoever gets the job and learn to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> Martin Luffman from Paul. Uh, in my view, there's a serious lack of options. For me, the England job is about man management, managing egos, being able to command the respect of multi-millionaire prima donnas. As much as I love the idea of an up-and-coming English manager leading the England team, I have reservations as to whether Eddie Howe can command the respect of England players. In his current job, players feel like they owe him something for what he's done for them. I don't think he will have the same respect from the national team players. Go to Arsenal, prove you can do it at the highest level, Build a reputation, then go and win us the World Cup. He's the long-term appointment. Paul Kenwood from Bournemouth. Yeah, I think Eddie Howe becoming England manager would be too soon for both Eddie and the FA, to be honest. Uh, he's got no experience, really, of working with big egos and uh, very, very high-paid footballers. He's got no real European experience yet, let alone international experience. And uh, I think he'd struggle without regular player contact to improve the players. That's what he strives upon. Could he do both jobs, Bournemouth and England? Unlikely that the FA would let him. Um, I honestly think he'll probably go somewhere like Arsenal first and then becoming the manager later on in his career. Joel Fabian from Farnham. Uh, yeah, and no, as an AFC Bournemouth fan, I think it would be catastrophic for the club if he left. I think he's been working absolute wonders with that uh, with that squad and the, the funds and everything like that. And honestly, I, th- I think it's a lose-lose situation for him if he takes it on, to be honest. Um, it's, it's a poison chalice, that job. Um, I think he shouldn't take it. 
and leave it to someone who's already been sort of wrecked managerial wise. Anyway, that's my spiel. But what fantastic spiel it was, Joel. Thank you very much for everyone uh, who contributed regarding their opinions. With Eddie Howe taking the England job, there's been there's been a lot of talk on Twitter this evening. Mr. Barker, uh, what are your thoughts? The same thoughts as when Allardyce got the job. I didn't think Eddie was was going to take it then. And here we go. I'm putting the curse on it. Eddie Howe will not be the next England manager. You've heard it here, possibly first. I just honestly, I just. Like, aside from anything else, who the hell in their right mind would want to be England manager? You know, like, yeah. we finally, we, we, we get an English-based manager that's you know, some people wanted, not everyone wanted, but some did. And then the press do this. Now, that's not to say he shouldn't have gone, and that's not to say he shouldn't have been done doing what he's doing. But it just, it highlights what happens when you're England manager. And if I was Eddie, I wouldn't want that. No, that's right. It's quite interesting. Yeah, Joel, Joel Fabian, uh, the last of the views we heard, he agrees with you saying it's a poison chalice. And it's quite interesting to hear what Martin Luffman and Paul Kenwood said in there as well um, to say that he lacks the ma- well, he lacks managing players with big egos and um, he needs to maybe go to, uh, you know, a bigger club first like Arsenal, spend a few years there and then maybe go on to the England job. Now, I know that Arsene Wenger is one of the people that's been lined up, but you know, can he manage egos? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the thing is, Eddie has a you know a policy of if there's an ego, they they've gone. You know, and Eddie's always kind of worked on that kind of scheme. Um, so in that respect, you know, there's a big England ego in the England team, and they're suddenly out. But I just, for me, it's you know, it's I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Eddie's in the position to want to take it. Like, what would he gain? At the moment, you know, everything's great about Eddie Howe and the press about him. He can kind of do no wrong, really, with Bournemouth in that, you know, we're not expected to be challenging as a big club. So it's a bit of a win-win, really, for him. If he took it now, what happens? Like, the only end result that ends well for an England manager is if they win a tournament or they Mm. get so close they get knocked out in the semi-final on penalties. If you look back at our England managers, those guys, we've looked back on and gone, oh, do you know Venables was good? Bobby Robson was good. Everyone else, you go, oh, you know, they had their highs. But So I just don't, I can't see it. I can't see why he'd want to do it. I actually agree with AFCB Pete on uh, Twitter and may not always agree politically, but certainly agree <laughs> on the football field. And I still have this thing that I could see potentially Eddie being here for 20 plus years, build a dynasty, but we become a massive club. We win the European Cup. Then he goes and manages England. Hey, that would be great. Well, we're going to be doing your uh, your puns in the news shortly. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Alan Shearer said England are at an all-time low. This has to be rock bottom. It can't get any lower. You know, they could take the risk. But um, just hearing some fans' views on potential replacements, <laughs> uh, Stephen Allen tweeted, I think this was tongue-in-cheek, Mark Warburton, Brendan Rogers, Gary Rowett, Stephen Purchase. Okay, we see where you're going with that. Oh, is that um, if, if Eddie goes? Is that what that is? That's yes, it is. Yeah, that's right. Ah, right. Yes, that's right. Um, UTC in all departments. Uh, why would anyone want the England job before Russia and Qatar fiascos uh, unless they were getting a bit? Not too sure what you mean there, but anyway. Um, interestingly, um, there's going to be some more news coming out 
later this uh, week as well. Eight Premier League managers who've received bungs and they're going to be named uh, Thursday or Friday. And um, uh, one, the Telegraph described one as taking more backhanders than Wimbledon. <laughs> Very interesting. But um, we should move on to the club puns. And, uh, well, there were quite a few there. Uh, you did really well, I thought there, Sean. Right, firstly... Stan is lasting in the first team. Yeah, oh, see that? See, there's been a lot of people trying to work hard on Stanislas and how do they make that work? There were some good ones. There were not some good ones. Stan is lasting. Yeah, very good. And also, uh, Tyndall is behind man Emerson. Yeah, because it's he- because it's Heinemann Emerson, right? So he's behind man. Another yeah. good, another good one. Yep, I can see it on your face. Another good one. Must have taken you an age to think of that. Um, also, shopping superstore shed behind Ted. That's just, what is that? Just rhyming and alliteration you use there. Yep, yep. But delivered perfectly. Yeah. And the final one uh, we've been discussing about, um, Big Sam becomes unemployed Sam. Where's the punch on? Yeah, when you've got 60 seconds before you're about to record <laughs> and suddenly something like that happens, sometimes you just you just shoot from the hip, you know? I don't like to be compared to Donald Trump ever, but, you know, he shoots from the hip and there I've shot from the hip. And I think it's proved that shooting from the hip does not bring good results. Remember that, America. So in an ideal world, in the next few days, Eddie Howe is going to be saying no to the England job, is going to be committing to the cherries for umpteen years. And we're going to get three points at Watford, eh? Hi, this is Steve Persis. You're listening to Back of the Net. Okay, so this weekend, AFC Bournemouth continue with Premier League action. This time it is away at Watford. So the side that came up to the Premier League with us. And there's been this kind of slightly phony rivalry that seems to have mainly flared up on Twitter between the two sides because of our both coming up at the same time, I guess. Watford come into the game on the back of a defeat midweek to Burnley 2-0 at Turf Moor. But prior to that, they'd rolled over Man United 3-1 and beaten West Ham 4-2. So Sam, coming into this game, Watford were in pretty good form, but then kind of let it slip at Burnley. Yeah, they did. Burnley's record signing Jeff Hendricks scored his first goal for the club to help them beat, well, I think they were very lacklustre on Monday. Burnley carried the greater threat and um, Hendrick headed in from a Stephen DeFore cross for the opener. Um, Troy Deeney had a couple of shots or whatever, but Burnley, Burnley were just totally on top of it. Michael Keane then scored the second and uh, Watford did not look themselves at all. No, it was odd. I watched, kind of had one eye on most of the game um, on TV and a couple of things I noticed. One was that Burnley came out very quick and very pressing early and kind of started by dictating the game. So that's something that I know Watford are going to be at home opposed to being away, but definitely, you know, we can have fast starts. So probably a good sign that that is what we can go for. The other thing was how um, exposed they looked down the wings at fullback. I mean, Burnley were getting past them out wide and were dominating the wide areas, so much so that Watford had to try and change their shape to try and compensate for that, which with our team, if we're sat deep, we know we've got that channel ball for for a Wilson or a King to run in by the fullback. We've got Ibe that looks like he's starting to tear up more now. You've got Gradle, you've got all these options, plus the fullbacks, Daniels and Smith, who played exceptionally well against Everton. 
in that respect, I think we go into this game, well, we go into it in good form. And whether that game for Watford was a blip or whether it's the start of maybe a bigger slide, I guess we'll find out at the end of the game. Yeah, and by the way, just as a side note, uh, I love the fact that Burnley is still called Turf Moor. It hasn't got a sponsor name like the N Power Stadium or the Eon State or the EDF Arena or anything. It's just classic Turf Moor. I I like that. But yeah, it's interesting, sort of the points you raise. So, uh, who are the players best um, that can expose Watford's weaknesses? Well, to be honest. I can't see Eddie making any changes, um, including Josh King, if he's fit. I think Josh King will go back onto the bench. Um, I think Stanislas uh, proved his worth. Um, you wouldn't change the midfield three. I don't think Jordan Ibe is improving all the time. Callum Wilson was a nuisance. He was strong up front. The way he, um, I don't know which defender it was, but the way he barged Everton's defender off the ball, um, uh, you know, in the first half, it was absolutely superb. He, you know, he he ran himself into the ground. Um, the fullbacks uh, were looking very strong. Charlie Daniels, I thought, had a great game. Adam Smith was in the mix. The central defenders, Boric. I, I can't see anything changing. Sean, do you, can you, or if you could, who would it be? I can't really. I mean, you can't single out any player to say they, they didn't deserve to be in it. It's it's whether there's a bit of a niggle we don't know about and which could see a change um, or just, yeah, you know, who knows? You could go, well, maybe Fraser comes back if he's got the pace and, you know, can excite out wide. If Wilson's getting, if he was a little bit tired, maybe after that last game, possibly King comes back in. And again, there, there are good options I think we've got this year um but I think your money would have to be on us pretty much staying as we are and trying to build a bit of momentum so then Sam score prediction what do you think yeah um it all depends how we come out of the blocks I think in this game as the Watford boss Walter Mazzari said um their performance against Burnley wasn't good enough he said in English football it's different Burnley were very aggressive um and of course you know they did the same against Liverpool um we need to come out of the blocks quick I think um oh I don't know I can't quite remember the last time we had a match again was it the 2-0 win at home where you know the result went one way or the other it's been sort of draws seemingly for ages against against Watford but I don't know I feel as though we can do this um and wouldn't it be great to go into the international break when Eddie Howe's England manager <laughs> no, no 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 let's not, not talk about that um yeah no I think we're gonna win I do think we're gonna win and I think Bournemouth are gonna win 2-0 Sean Ooh, okay. I'm going to plump for a win as well. I think they will score because they like to put balls in the box and um, Deeney is an absolute menace with his head. And I think we still potentially, as tight as we were against Everton, I think we're always open potentially to a goal through the air. So I'm going to go 3-1 victory. I think... I think we, I reckon we could be on the start of a good roll here. And I'm going to pick us to win 3 1. Glory times. This is Steve Jones, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So that just about wraps it up for another episode of Back of the Net. It's been uh, well, fairly eye-opening. Hopefully over the next few days, it's all going to be good news. And uh, 
if those predictions come true, Sean, well, either yours or mine, I will be very happy with that. Now, during the show, uh, towards the end, I maybe sound as though I've been lacking concentration. It's because I've been still trying to think of that answer for do you remember, Sean? Um, did you know who it was? I did, yes. I did. I Well, I think I do. I haven't opened the envelope yet that Rob always leaves me. Um, sometimes he puts his little bit, little bit of spray of his own musk on it, which is lovely. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to open it up now. Here we go. And do, 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 do. This week's Do You Remember? Come on, Sam. He was the captain of the 87 title winning side. Mark Newson. You know what? I wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have known. Of course, of course, Mark Newson, but I would not have known. Wah, 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 wah. Sam gets it wrong. Sean gets it right. All right. What's that? Is that is that two? No, it's 2-1 now, is it, since Rob started? Oh, well, it's since Rob started, yeah. I mean, since we started the whole thing, it's about 20 <laughs> to 1, but, you know, there was a little bit of an unfair advantage before. But there you go. Thank you, Rob, for the Do You Remember? And hopefully you enjoy that uh, at home. We do get messages from people saying, oh, I haven't got it right or I did get it right. So, yeah, Rob will be back next week with another Do You Remember? And also, I just want to say a big thank you to Michael for becoming our roving match reporter with his spies across Dean Court. Yeah, no, that was really good. And I um, also just want to say thank you once again for all the messages that we've been receiving over Facebook and Twitter and stuff. It's it's really nice to see and it's really good to see that you're embracing the show. Thank you to everyone that's taken part, whether it's fan thoughts or, you know, puns or whatever. It's it's really nice. And uh, you've obviously subscribed. If you do want to subscribe, well, you can just hit it on YouTube or iTunes or whatever. Press subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, retweet some of our tweets. Even share our Facebook posts as well. Um, just want to say thank you once again for all the positive comments and um, keep sharing the love. Yeah, also I had a message and a bit of a brief chat with Anthony Marshall. And Anthony Marshall is formerly of Newcastle United, but he left them to sign for a bigger club as he's taking over the media and comms team at AFC Bournemouth. He starts actually in October, um, so not long now. But anyway, just want to say hi to Anthony. I know he's been listening to the show, swatting up on all the knowledge. He's going, why do you keep on going about this Steve Jones fella? I never see him play in the Premier League. But anyway, we will obviously, hopefully we'll have a proper welcome when he starts. But again, it's just, it's good to know that the club are looking to move forward with their communications after they lost some good players. So um, thank you to Anthony for listening in. Um, one other thing, Sam, predict a score. I, I get people emailing me saying, this competition we've signed up for, predict a score. I believe you reckon in the next week or so, the competition will be live, right? Yeah, I'm absolutely snowed under at the moment. But yes, it will be live. But Sean, in the meantime, um, maybe Ant Marshall, maybe he'll want to buy a T-shirt. How, how does he do that? Oh, Sam, he goes to afcbpodcast.com forward slash shop and you can purchase your Eddie Had a Dream T-shirt. Hopefully they won't, <laughs> we won't have to drastically reduce the price or I don't know, <laughs> smudge it over and put Fletcher's Had a Dream or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, buy them now. They could be a historical document uh, but no of course he's not going anywhere so do purchase your t-shirt it's not only will you look super cool 
I've just said super cool. That immediately makes it uncool. But you know what I mean. But plus, it really does help the show. Um, as we said before, we don't like to go on about it all the time. But we are just finding that, you know, we're both we're both working and I'm looking after a baby and we're busy and trying to put the time for the show to make it better and better. Um, we, If you could donate some, some money to if you enjoy your listening of the show, that would be great. Or if you buy a T-shirt, even that helps us. So and I just want to say thank you to so many people that have already either bought a T-shirt or donated. Like, that means a lot. And so thank you very much to those. And thank you to you if you're there going, oh, do you know what? I've been thinking about it. Maybe I should do it. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> should. So please do that. Thank you. Other than that, Sam, I think that's pretty much wrapped it all up. I think so. Here's to three points at Vicarage Road on Saturday. Yep, I'd agree with that. Now, to play us out this week, we normally have our outro music, but we're going to do something a little bit different. At the start of the show, as we said, the show is in memory of Mick Cunningham. And when you think of the club, it's hard not to think of Mick and all he did over those years. Now, one of the things he did was be in a band called Reg Varney with Graham and the boys. And they had totally Bournemouth-related songs. And me and my dad, as an acoustic duo, would we played quite a few gigs with the boys at well, there was the cherry tree and then in off the bar, which were the, the different pubs within the ground. And we do these gigs to try and raise a bit of coin for the club. And I reckon we raised probably about three pound 20. Now we're going to have one of Reg Varney's classic songs to play us out. Now the video is taken from YouTube. It was a live gig recorded at the cherry tree. So the quality's not great, but sure. Mick won't mind me saying when you were there, it wasn't much better. But here you go, thinking of you, Mick. And this is Reg Varney with Marcus Browning's Red and Black Tractor. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.